Welcome to the LNT Chat Show. And today I'm pleased to say I'm here with, uh, I'm sure I'll mispronounce it, but it's Gustavo Espinosa Ramos. Was that correct? That's correct. Excellent. Uh, Gustavo, would you, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure, Roger. Uh, okay, I am a lecturer at the Westminster Business School. I am a module leader uh, of modules related with sustainable business, business strategy, and I am the course leader now of uh, MA Management Online that is delivered in the in the University of Westminster. Okay, excellent. And today we're going to be talking about uh, UDL. Um, I'm sure everybody knows what it is, but just in case, so that's Universal Design for Learning. Um, certainly UDL is a, a big part of uh, my um, organization. Uh, so before we kind of get into the nitty gritty of it, how did you first come across this? Because I think there's elements of this that clearly um, I, I had uh, been doing or at least aware that I needed to do for years. Um, but it only seems uh, in the last uh, sort of five years or so that, that I've started to hear the phrase um, UDL or Universal Design for Learning. So how, how did you first encounter it? Uh, it, it actually, it was by, cons by, by conscience, uh, in a sense, like it was during the pandemic, 2020, 2020, late 2020 or early 2021, and there was, was discussion from another colleague, uh, Birna, uh, Berna Rossi, and we were discussing to make a, a presentation about uh, inclusive design of learning during the pandemic. And she suggested, no, I have a contact with her, and she mentioned, maybe you can explore about this UDL. And I was reading a bit more about it, and I got hooked. I got hooked. I, I love the idea. I love the idea of uh, UDL. And now, for example, I'm writing a book chapter related to UDL sustainability, uh, education for sustainable development uh, in, a, in a business school. Uh, thinking about UDL, do, do you recognize that there, there were things you were already doing or um, did you identify that there were there were things we thought, oh, I, you know, actually, that's that's something that I need to uh, address? I think there were some things that I was doing that I was not aware. Maybe that was part of UDL. UDL, the key message that for me is the most important is like a create an environment, a learning environment that is suitable not only for students with learner difficulties, but also with the students who come from different backgrounds, different learning experiences, and something, if, for example, a specific practice is like uh, when I provide examples about uh, business strategies, I try to select companies from different parts of the world, not only from UK or from Europe or from a developing country or, or, or developed or developing countries. That's the most interesting part. No? Embrace these ones, these examples, and maybe the students might feel related to that specific example. Oh, okay. And the, the kind of students that you deal with, they presumably they're international students from, from a broad range of countries. That is, is correct. There, is there a degree of um, uh, sort of collaboration with those students or co-creation in terms of, you know, how you identify what materials you're going to use? Uh, something that I have been doing since I become module leader uh, from these different modules is to have this scheme like a student reps. I teach a core module. Uh, we have nearly, imagine, 350 students uh, in one specific semester, and we have maybe seven lectures who are part of the teaching team. In total, maybe 10 seminar classes of 25 students around. And I have a scheme like to have one student rep per seminar class. 
-hmm. Okay, and we try to arrange meetings twice per semester. We have 12 weeks of classes, and we have two, two meetings. That's for me my way, in a more proactive way, to uh, listen to the student's voice to see what is working well, what is not working well, what we can improve in terms of the delivery of the class, the assessment, the learning material. They are aware that there are some things that I might change during the time, but other ones that maybe might be more difficult to just to do it. So that's kind of a, a way to do it, but also the student model evaluation that is at the end kind of the seminar, but I think that's more kind of reactive way. Okay, so I, I'd like to have both both ways just to understand the student's voice. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, the, the biggest shame in the world. Now, I, I do try and make very clear from day one that, you know, I want students to to interact with me and, and give me feedback all the time because there's nothing worse I think than getting to the end of the module and, and maybe even feeling like you know it's all gone quite well and, and then you read the evaluations and and there are things that students have identified and you think well that's actually something that I could have changed so um, what did the students identify particularly interesting things then or, or things that you were able to to change during the semester itself? Uh, it's a good point because I think we need to differentiate masters students and undergrad students. Uh, I can mention a bit more about undergrads. I teach a few masters, but in the low school, and I see the differences in that sense. Uh, students, when you're undergrad students, they like first to have, seems like they have a very good rapport with the lecture. Yeah. That it have a, it's, it's very approachable, okay? And I think they think appreciate that. Some of the students, for example, they appreciate when you're using technology, uh, the games from Poll Everywhere, for example. Now they love it. For the last year, uh, I was just reading some comments from the student model evaluation because I just tried. I just tried, but in the last weeks, uh, let's see how it works in the lecture to see. And some students, they like these competitions. Otherwise, not, of course. The yeah. idea is to have these different activities, might be suitable for some students, but other ones may be suitable for other students so they can express their learning. Meanwhile, master students, master students are kind. I, I think so. They tend to discuss more. Depend if maybe they have more working experience. Okay, maybe other tools just to facilitate the discussion in class. Whether they share the information in, in a Padlet or they want just to say it or in a flip chart that's completely fine by me. Uh, I, I think that that's another space no? that they, they kind of enjoy when they, they, to make a class more interactive. Yeah, and and. Um... When the students are using things like Poll Everywhere, um, is that as an integrated part of whatever the subject is that you're teaching, or is that specifically for them to give feedback on how uh, the, the module or the seminars are going? Uh, for the Poll Everywhere, it's just more for kind of improve more the cognitive skills that they have, just to remember right. something they cover in the lecture in the same day of the lecture. It's formative. But for example, now that you mentioned this, is a good point. Uh, I created a Padlet which is on the only Padlet that is, well, it's anonymous. You don't have to write your name or anything. But, for example, I'm going to moderate the, the Padlet. And it's going to be available the whole 12 week of classes. And you can add any comments if if the students maybe don't feel, ah, I don't want to interact with the with the student rep no, that we have. Eh? OK, yeah. I don't want to talk. Well, uh, you can just mention there. I was just checking so far only one comment. Ah, okay. In, in early eight weeks of classes, but but may, that might be another reason behind. Maybe it's again this is, is in terms of under the students' promotion. I need to always remind that. Well, remember, maybe you should do it more often in the lectures, maybe in especially in the seminars, because some yeah. students attend the seminars but not the lectures. So maybe that should be a constant reminder, just so they can have they have another space where they can express their ideas. 
And is Padlet something that you'd used before the pandemic or is it is it one of those things where, you know, when so much stuff went online that uh, we were all encouraged to use a, a number of different platforms? I was using before, 2015, since I started teaching as a visiting lecturer in my current institution, University of Westminster, uh, they use Padlet and I love it to use it. Then I think so can spoil everywhere. And I remember, even before, even before pandemic, there was some, I went a training and was, ah, we're going to use uh, something called Blackboard Collaborate. And I said, wow, yes. why is that tool? And that was 2019, late 2018. I think, ah, we'll experiment with this, you know, and the idea in that moment was, it's going to be like a Skype, no? that you can have maybe a Q&A online. When I tried to promote this with my students, again, 2019, 2018, maybe, no one wanted, no yeah. one wanted to see in your office. The, the pandemic forced us, all of us, students and lecturers, to, to use these tools. Now that we are kind of, kind of living the pandemic, maybe some students, uh, they like to engage with that, with that tool, Blackboard like Collaborate yeah. or Zoom or whatever, okay? But other ones, no, they prefer actually see the, the, the lecture. And what, because I'm familiar with Collaborate because we have uh, up to this year, um, been using Blackboard as our, our primary VLE. So is, is that your VLE as well, or do you use something different? That's correct. That, that's the main VLE is, is Blackboard. Uh, ah, okay. Blackboard Collaborate, we use it when you have online classes. Yeah, because uh, one of the things I, I found uh, on Collaborate uh, in terms of moving stuff online was that uh, whilst actually the participation was was pretty good the one thing that students didn't like um, was the use of breakout rooms and we then moved to teams uh because teams uh, for various reasons it was it was deemed that the teams was a little bit easier and um it's interesting because one of the things that i found is post pandemic because students had got used to the idea of being able to see you on teams and in particular see you in a sort of one-to-one -one situation that actually now they prefer to do that rather than having to come to your office not least because sometimes they'll they'll be in touch kind of on spec and as opposed to having to you know walk up to the fourth floor of my building and knock on the door and hope that i'm in there um, you know, if, if they try and connect me with me uh, on Teams and I don't have to be about them, they, they've not really lost anything out. Um, and and I think they feel like there is maybe a little bit more accessibility if we're using online platforms. But again, I don't know how much of this is because, um, and this, you know, drives me mad, certainly about my own children and stepchildren, but, you know, their, their idea of engaging with um their siblings or, or their friends is is always you know their their direct messaging and and often when they're organizing something i'm thinking no don't do that ring them speak to them because you'll be able to you know sort something out in two minutes where the direct messaging might end up with you know a massive flow going going backwards and forwards um pulling it back onto topic sorry you were you were going to say something no, no, I think that's a very interesting dilemma because I think that's part of the UDL because it's to give the space where students can express their knowledge or maybe express communications. But you're right, some students, they prefer online face-to-face, -face, other ones they feel more comfortable with online because, again, some students are kind of more, they have other things, maybe they work, maybe it's expensive for them to commute to university. Understanding that, I think so was part when I was reading more about UDL, that no allow the students to express themselves. It's not easy. In my case, for example, when we were doing the pandemic, I know we wanted to see the students' camera. No, say, so, "Hey, switch on your camera." 
But yeah. from the point of view of the students, some students, maybe they were in their beds or maybe some of them without makeup and they didn't want to look, right? So it took me time to understand that, right? To say, okay, I want to give you that freedom to express, to, to be there, but my way to engage with you is not only just reading in the chat box, show me an emoji, how do you feel right now in an yeah. emoji? And people were sharing emojis in breakup groups, I would say sometimes it works in some cases, but depends. Huh? I think so the idea was to the, the lecture should be going in the breakout groups to start checking, having a dialogue with them. Because just allow them to be in the breakout groups and not engaging with them, the students might perceive, well, what is the purpose of this, right? Yeah. So I, I, that's something that I think so I noticed it work. I think so in, in some cases, and even in breakout groups, I use a Padlet as well. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think uh, giving them the option of being able to use uh, em emojis, particularly in, in the chat bars, in both Collaborate and uh, Teams, actually did encourage uh, some students to express themselves in, in, a, in a way that then maybe they were more comfortable with because they use it more often and it's and it's slightly more informal. I had noticed, I mean, we had the same thing about students not putting their cameras on, uh, but one of the pieces of feedback that has come, uh, come back from quite a number of uh, colleagues is the fact that being able to actually see us in an environment, particularly our home environments, um, actually made us seem more human as well. And, and that kind of helped them to maybe uh, re relax a little bit. I, I am also a, a big fan of Padlets, partly uh, at least for the reason that you suggested earlier, which is that if you anonymize the communication process and you make that easy. So, um, you know, before the, the pandemic, I might have used uh, post-it notes as a, as a way of students being able to ask questions without having to you know, put their hand up and 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 have you know become the center of, of, of focus. But I think Padlets give huge degree of flexibility. And, you know, given that, Almost without exception, my students turn up with their smartphones. They have, you know, uh, QR code readers, so you can just put the QR code up, um, and they can actually then kind of interact live during the lecture, but without having to feel like they're pulling focus or, or you know, making themselves vulnerable in terms of the the questions that they ask. In terms of the other uh, things that uh, you've been looking at with regards to, to UDL, can you walk us through some of the other things that, that you do uh, with regards to your teaching or your paperwork? Sure. Uh, for example, the idea of UDL is to give options to the students. is one, one of the, the key aspects. So, for example, in the module for second year undergrads, uh, a core module, uh, I teach them the assessment. Okay, The assessment has two assessment components. One, assessment two, I think so students should develop these written skills, so we have a report. But for assessment one, I think so the idea was to encourage more visual learners, so that's why we have a poster. Okay, and the idea to have these different type of tools, and also it was seen in the mode evaluation, the students, they like that option. No, that it's not, it's not only just written things. Now with the chat GPT, okay, that might create even the challenge, right, for the second assessment. Uh, but they like that. Secondly, for the poster and the report, the students have to explore a, a select a city from a reports of an organization, okay? And I allow them, you select the city, okay? Yeah. So again, that empowers them in the selection. They usually tend to select the city, which is where they come from. We have a, a big group of international students, so that's why I like. The tools that they have to use to say, to analyze the causes of the sustainability issue as well as up to the students. I teach them two tools, very basic ones, they pick one, by yeah. wise or the fish one. So that's the things they kind of like. 
uh, we have a field trip. The field trip that we have uh, is a walking tour, but also is a virtual tour. And I allow the students to select which of these ones. Very interestingly, this is the second year that we run it. 60% prefer more. Which one do you think they prefer? The walking tour or the virtual tour? Oh, that's that's a difficult one. Uh, I'm going to say the virtual tour. You're right. 60% Be because so much tour. more of their, their lives, I think, are, are lived uh, online. Although, of course, there is also then the advantage of being able to go somewhere which for various different reasons might be quite difficult to physically go to. Um, what, what kind of platform are you using for the for the virtual tours? Is 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 there are different type of online tours? The kind of the basic one is a virtual tour, which is a video recording of some specific of the streets that they have to do, go in the virtual uh, walking tour in London. Right. But having this option, this is in week six. Having this option in week six allow the students to select, no, which of these one is more suitable for them. Maybe they don't like to walk. Maybe they're busy with other commitments, or no. Maybe they're tired, right? Uh, week six, within week, right? Maybe they just yeah. want to relax. Up to them. But in the following week, week seven, we have the tour guide who comes as I guess a speaker, and so all of us, the ones who went to the walking tour, online tour, we share all the findings because yeah. because that activity is assess, is a reflection, assessing the report. So they have to engage. Whether okay. it's virtual or, or working tour, they have to engage because it's part of the assessment tool. And again, the assessment tool, I allow the students to pick the solutions. Two maximum two solutions. When it's about reflection, maximum two initiatives that is on the working tour. This right. level of empowerment, again, I think so following the UDL principles, I think it's something like it's kind of working well for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it occurs to me that the marvels of um, Google Maps mean that you can technically go, you know, not everywhere in the world, but to an awful lot of places in the world. And, you know, if you're using Street View, you can actually navigate around. I know there's um there's a game uh, and I'm going to forget the name of it now. Uh, it's Geo something. Um, and it's a game you can play online. There is a there is a limited free version of it um where you're you're literally dropped in a place and you navigate around you don't know where you are and you have to try and then work out on a map where you think you are um you know based on the sites that you can you can see vaguely around and i'm just thinking actually that if you have got students where you're asking them uh, to talk about a specific location and that actually does give them quite a lot of uh, flexibility in terms of showing people around a, a you know three-dimensional version of something which particularly if you've got a lot of students and they're wanting to talk about lots of different parts of the world um, then that's that's feasible to do where in in the past you know that that wouldn't have, have been the case what what's the module that these students are actually on that are doing the, the walking tours Sustainable city economies is the name ah, of the okay, module okay. that they're they're doing. No? So we have to remember there are business students that they have to engage with sustainability, which is another point. Uh, also took me to understand that maybe when it's a core module, they have to take it, right? So I yeah. need to understand that maybe the concept of sustainability for some students might be easy to understand, but other ones might be more challenging. Okay, they come from different backgrounds. So that's something very interesting. To, to mention, but also I was just thinking 
you mentioned this interesting tool, okay? Uh, I can imagine that maybe people, some people might use even Pokemon Go just to explore the city, walk around catching Pokemons, right? So the idea is how to be, you know, creative, right, in finding these tools that students can engage. And in terms of uh, other things, then, uh, in fact, actually, I'll, I'll take you back to a, a question I, I had earlier. So the module that you were talking about, there are seven different lecturers. Um, involved in this. So do you meet as a group to discuss uh, UDL approaches? Do you ever get feedback from them individually where they go uh, either this didn't work particularly well or where actually they've identified something which then could be shared across the team? A good point. Uh, with my team, we, we are seven in total, including me. Uh, we may think we have this pre-session pre meeting. So before we have the start this week one, we have a meeting to explain the assessments on learning activities, and in, in a sense, I, I, not necessarily I mentioned UDL principles, I mentioned how these two different assessment components favors two different uh, skills of, of learners, visual and the ones who likes to maybe research and read more, uh, just to clarify no, standards. We have the pre-marking meetings for assessment one and pre-marking meeting for assessment two, just to have a aligned kind of criteria, no? a social moderation, right? But also we have as well the, the pre-marking, the per okay, the moderation between pairs. We are, uh, organize the pairs. But in addition to that, we have another filter, which is uh, me and my commodity leader. We check again when all of them are having moderated. Well, a sample has been moderated, I mean. Well, then we check again everything, but we check usually kind of the fails, the, 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 a sample of the top ones and middle grades as well. It's kind of different okay. filters. And sort of over the time that you've been doing this then, are what would you say are the main things that um, that have occurred to you that you think, yeah, this this is this is something that I need to change or develop or, you know, and I'm again, I'm, I'm thinking forward here. I, I don't know whether there are things that you have planning to, to change because we're, what is it, two thirds of the way through the academic year. Um, so, you know, I think I think I've started to begin to think about, OK, for next year, I need to do I need to do this. What what are the highlights for you? Uh, something that would like to improve as well, for example, maybe in terms of UDL, it's important to give options. I think the challenge is how many options we should do, we should give to the students. In that list from the cities, from that report of that organization, there are like a, nearly 100 cities. I know the students might not have enough data from all the cities, okay? So maybe the idea is try to reduce the level of options, maybe three options maximum. That also might help in terms when the students have to defer or refer the assignments. I might change the settings, right? So maybe in a sense to reduce the level of people, maybe just kind of copy, right, from the from the semester that pass. That's an option that I'm th thinking about it. Then, because the the challenges and opportunities that brings ChatGPT, maybe how can embed it? How I can I use maybe a learning activity? For the second assessment, which is going, which is the report, right? So I still reflecting yeah. how we can do that um, and improve it. Have you been talking much or sort of experimenting much with uh, Chat GPT? Early in early stage, no. How we can use it? What kind of questions I can ask? I, I'm part of a project with another two colleagues and three students in a, a student as a co-creator scheme to, from the students' perspective, try to see what are the, how it can be used. Yeah. Uh, in the business studies. So we are working on that. It's a very interesting project. We have nearly five months actually just to 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 have to gather these answers. 
Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you think potentially that um, AI is one of the things that maybe could work positively with regards to UDL? It's another space where students can communicate. Remember, some students maybe are not very, they struggle a lot. Maybe mm. could be a way that they can guide the students in terms of a structure of, a, of, of an assignment, dissertation, okay? Or giving ideas, brainstorming ideas, how, how, what, what they can write about it, uh, about topic. I think there are opportunities, and I'm very sure uh, artificial intelligence is going to stay here. And, and now you are checking information about ChatGPT four, right? It's even, yeah. even apparently more powerful, apparently. So uh, again, we need to kind of, and that's a challenging part: being creative, how we can embed it in the in the in the modules. Okay, for people who are sort of aware of UDL but wondering okay so so what are the practical things that I, I can do you've, you've mentioned choice and uh, sort of giving the students the opportunity to to voice their specific needs are there any other uh, specific techniques or things that you do that you think yeah you know these these are good things to share with colleagues yes uh, two things one opportunity one challenge okay uh, the challenge was about validation with the panel the opportunity is in a model about business ethics that I was a seminar leader. Uh, I love the idea of the assignment, which I report the students select one uh, ethical uh, issue, ethical business case study, uh, but they select which one they want to they want to analyze. And usually the students select the wrong kind of stories from their own country. Mm. Uh, and I love that assignment because I was reading something new from different countries, right? Other ones, of course, they select London or UK, United States, right? But other ones from, from, from the one from their own country, was, I found it so fascinating to, to understand it. I love the assignment. The issue was the following year, I think so, some uh, maybe colleagues, they found it a bit difficult to mark because the cases were very different, okay? But I said, well, yes, but the idea is not to mark if the case is different, it's more about if they apply the concepts in the cases. Yeah. So at the end it was changed, I think so unfortunately, well, I think I stopped teaching that module unfortunately, but uh, I think I like the idea no? to give the students and they connected. That's an opportunity. Uh, a challenge is the validation. What happens? Uh, in UDL there is something about choice of assessment, okay, which might be linked with the alternative assessment. Maybe that was my bad. I got confused maybe between both. Yeah. Uh, but what I mean alternative assessment. In the validation process, I want to select for assessment one, imagine it was a it was a poster. But if it's not a poster, a report. Assessment two is going to be a report. If it's not a report, a presentation. When it was suggested to the panel for the validations, they said they got a bit kind of confused or they have some concerns related to how you assess the level of difficulties or the of the time invested in do both assessment, no? What is it equal yeah. or not? If or is not fair? So at the end, they mentioned like maybe we are not very ready, no? We're ready to go for that kind of uh, option. That, so well, that's and, a very interesting point. So before, I'm just trying to think how long ago it was now. Probably nearly 15 years ago, um, in my previous institution, one of the things was that. Uh, with a big core first year marketing module, uh, every year one of the things that the students regularly complained about was that they didn't like the assessment format. <clears throat> so we had changed the assessment format between uh, something like a report or an exam. Um, and to be honest, their reaction was the same for both. So I was very lucky. Uh, one of the things that I did, and I have done this uh, a, a few times since, 
was I went to my external examiner, I spoke to him and I said, look, what I'd really like to do is actually say to the students, you choose, because if you want to do the exam, do the exam. If you want to do a, a report, do do the report. And it was based on uh, there's a there's a piece of uh, I, I guess it's I, I'm not going to give the exact context of it because I don't think this is the right the right uh, venue. <laughs> Um, but it's this idea of choice. So if you have a small child and the small child is in the bath and you want to get the small child out of the bath, instead of saying, OK, bath time's over, you need to get out now, because, you know, quite often small children will have tantrums if they're, you know, in a place where they're comfortable and happy and all the rest of it. Um, the advice was, OK, say to them, uh, which do you want, the blue towel or the red towel? Because instantly then the, the child is is sort of preoccupied with this idea that they they have choice. And I was very lucky. I had a very supportive external uh, and I also had quite a supportive person from within the business school um, on the quality side who said the same thing. It went to a uh, quality committee much higher up and they eventually went, oh, OK, we'll let you do that. And it, it absolutely stopped all of the complaints about format because the students even though the majority of them were choosing the one that we thought that they would choose, which was the report rather than the exam, because, you know, lots and lots of different reasons, which I'm sure colleagues are aware of. But all of a sudden they felt empowered because they had this choice. So we've actually used it uh, since. So uh, one of the final year modules uh, I teach at the moment, uh, students can either write a report or they can participate in something called X culture, which some colleagues might be familiar with. It's run out of uh, a university or universities in the States. But it actually involves writing a group assignment with students from all over the world. So one, it's group where, you know, the vast majority go for individual. Two, um, it actually involves having to, you know, research real industries that are international um, and with students from different cultural backgrounds. So it's it's quite stressful for them, but they get a lot out of it. And I think you're you're right. The choice thing, there's lots of different choices uh, that my students have the alternative assessment i think as long as you've got a supportive external examiner and you can provide a rationale for the equitability between the two formats i i, I don't think there is a, a a problem with that and i think the advantages far outweigh any perception of uh, differences because essentially what you're doing is you know what, what you were saying which is providing that universal design for learning by saying, well, you know, some people are better at, at one approach than another. So why not, you know, to get the maximum out of them, actually give them that option. So is is that sort of what you're looking to progress with then? Yes, because I was looking kind of happy with the answer. <laughs> so I think, okay, the solution is assessment one visual for visual learners poster, assessment two for, for a report, okay, written skills. They must have at least one should be like that. But now what I can see, the alternative assessment seems like it's more suitable when students have learning difficulties. Okay, for sure we need to offer it. Okay, but the idea for you maybe is go beyond that, right? So I'm still working whether how different should be the alternative. Whether, for example, it's a report, but the alternative is an essay, or presentation, live presentation, but assess the alternative is a video recorded presentation. If we have a re a reports, maybe you have an essay, so they don't have to be too different, right? Yeah. If it's a presentation, live presentations could be video recorded presentations or could be a video podcast, right? Or, a, or just a podcast. Maybe they don't have to be too different. Uh, but since so far, like alternative assessment is targeting only students with learning difficulties, no, uh, with learning disabilities. But my solution at the end was, okay, 
I only have two assessments for different type of learners. And, and it seems it's working. And give them the option within each assessment, some specific parts. So maybe that's kind of working so far, or at least what the students tell me. There, there is a, another alternative, which again, I, I have used in the past and, and it, we kind of have an option to use at the moment. It, it does have the, the slight issue of um, when you're needing to make sure that you have covered all of the learning outcomes, inevitably there needs to be some overlap. So that's actually providing a portfolio. So I have used this in, in the past where students produced five smaller pieces of work that were sort of you know one might be quite visual one might be audio one might be quite textual but actually you get or they get to choose the four best marks so as long as they're covering all of the learning outcomes within that portfolio it means you can you can provide a range of different styles of assessment but then for students that feel you know they're weaker in certain areas or indeed stronger in other areas um they can effectively uh, you know do all five but lose the the weakest mark, and that that then helps them in terms of them being able to demonstrate their skills, but also you know benefiting from uh, the the best parts of of what they do. So again, that that might be a a, a possible option in terms of because I, I can absolutely see what what you're trying to do, and and some of it does come down to the support you get in terms of you know what is the most appropriate way to assess learning outcomes and i think if if we focus too much on well it has to be this format then you know maybe it's actually even the the learning outcomes themselves that are that are problematic uh, i'm conscious of uh, time moving on a little was there whether you know were there any other uh, of the things that you've either done or the things that you're planning to do that you'd like to share today uh, I think so maybe the idea opportunities is spaces for discussion, right, about this. I think so your space with these podcasts are fantastic you know, to share ideas. Uh, at an institutional level, not only just the teaching and learning conferences uh, that we have it, but maybe other spaces where we share practice, reflect on the type of assessment, how suitable it is. Talking about UDL, because I don't think we have talking more in detail, it's something kind of new, apparently is happening, right? But I think there are very interesting practice there, and maybe we are not aware are part of the principles of UDL, but but they are. Well, hopefully this will all lead on to a, a much bigger conversation, not just within you know colleagues within institutions, but across institutions as well. For the moment, Gustavo, thank you so much for your time today. That was absolutely brilliant. Uh, good luck with the rest of your work. And um, yeah, thank, thank you for everything that you've covered. Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. Thanks.